Thank you so much, praise team, and thank you very much, Mark, for blessing us with that special Father's Day solo. We appreciate your ministry to us and your leadership. In recent years, I'm hearing more and more people say that they don't trust other people. Now, I have to confess that I never used to hear that, but I am hearing it now more often from people these days. And I think what's happening is there's so much lying, deceit, duplicity, and cover-up. There are so many false promises and false advertising that we as a country are growing very, very cynical. We want to know who's the real deal. Uh, who can you trust? Who is not holding back what they don't want us to know? Um, whose word is still their bond? Uh, I came of age during the Watergate scandal. And I well remember, as many of you do, President Nixon coming before national television saying, I am not a crook. At the very same time that he was personally orchestrating the cover-up of a crime. And once Americans finally learned the facts, there was no question that he had to go. Even though he had been re-elected in a landslide by the majority of Americans, his deceit was so dishonorable that there was no question that he could no longer remain in the presidency. Times have changed, have they not? I heard a news reporter not long ago concede that most Americans expect their politicians to lie to them. And it doesn't seem to really matter as long as the politics that are preferred remain in place. And we just have to say, when that's the attitude, the cynicism only deepens, causing us to be more and more alienated from one another. Once we can no longer trust each other, uh, the social fabric of our relationships begins to erode. Uh, we end up watching our backs, wondering who's going to take advantage of us the next time. What a horrible way that is for any social group to live. Now, no wonder then, Jesus said, if we're going to be his followers... We have to be people of the very highest truthfulness. This morning, as we continue our series in the Sermon on the Mount, we are going to look at what Jesus has to say about telling the truth. And this is now the fourth way that we are to be salt and light in the world in which we live. I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me again to Matthew chapter 5. And I want you to follow along as I read verses 33 through 37. And listen to what Jesus has to say about personal integrity, truthfulness, and honesty. Listen to his words. Again, you have heard that it was said to the people long ago, Do not break your oath, but keep the oaths you have made to the Lord. But I tell you, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. 
And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. Simply let your yes be yes and your no, no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Now Jesus' words for us today develop in three very simple ways. In verse 33, we see God's intention. And then in verses 34 and 35 and 36, we see people's corruption. And then Jesus gets right to the point with his correction in verse 37. And so let's let our Savior develop what it is that he has to say to us this morning. Let's begin with God's intention. God's intention from the Old Testament is that oaths are voluntary, but they must be kept once they are made. Now, verse 31, where Jesus says, You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, Do not break your oath, but keep the oaths you have made to the Lord, is a summary of Old Testament teaching. And Jesus is bringing together a number of verses from the Old Testament and summarizing their intent. Uh, Verses like this, Exodus 27, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. That had to do with making oaths in God's name in vain. Or Leviticus 19.12, You shall not swear by my name falsely and so profane the name of your God. Or Numbers 32, When a man vows a vow to the Lord, he shall not break his word. Or Deuteronomy 23.21, When you make a vow to the Lord your God, you shall not be slack to pay it. Now it is very clear what God's intentions by these commands were. He was saying to his people, vows are voluntary, But once a promise has been made and it has been solemnized or solemnized with an oath, it should really be meant and the person who made it must absolutely make good on that promise. Now if we were to add underlines to these verses to bring out the emphasis, we could see what God was after. Notice the underlines and how they emphasize it. You shall not take in vain. You shall not swear falsely. He shall not break his word. You shall not be slack to pay it. God was emphasizing absolute truthfulness and commitment to our promises In fact, do you know in the Old Testament, this was so important that a person of integrity would swear to their own hurt? Psalm 15 talks about the ideal person who walks with God, and in verse 4, it says about that man or woman of integrity who keeps his oath even when it hurts. By the way, that's the problem, isn't it? That's the problem. We all like to make promises when they will benefit us. The promises are great, aren't they? When they'll get us respect, earn us trust, or cause someone to give us something. 
Uh, Sometimes we will make promises to impress other people or get them to do something for us, but when fulfilling that promise costs or hurts, then we want to break it, right? Then we want to break it. You see, we want promises to be easy to make and easy to break. That's the problem. In fact, notice how the people of Jesus' day did this. They were not much different than us. Jesus moves to people's corruption and he says, here's what was widespread in their day. Using evasive techniques to avoid fulfilling commitments. That's what Jesus is describing in verses 34, 35, and 36. Uh, Look again what they were doing. Uh, But I tell you, he says, uh, do not swear at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, by the earth, it is his footstool, by Jerusalem, it's the city of the great king, and don't swear by your head, because you can't even change the color of your hair from white to black. Now what's going on here? Well, Jewish people were no different than we are today. They wanted to use oaths to their advantage, but they also wanted to evade fulfilling their commitments when those commitments became very difficult. And there were two widespread practices that developed that were condoned and even aided by the rabbis. First was the practice of frivolous swearing. And what that means was they would take oaths in everyday conversation when it was unnecessary. So, in order to gain what they wanted, people would resort to oaths to get people's trust. Instead of making a promise, they would say, by your life I make this promise. Or by my head I make this promise. Or I'm telling the truth, and may I never live to see the comfort of Jerusalem if I'm not telling the truth. By the way, we do this today, don't we? I swear on a stack of Bibles. I swear on my mother's grave. We love to bring our mother into it. Who's going to take advantage of their own mother? I'm telling the gospel truth. My personal favorite is, I'm telling the truth. Cross my heart, hope to die, poke a needle in my eye. There was even a more serious practice. There was evasive swearing. Evasive swearing was using technical words to trick others when the oath was not meant. And here's what the Jewish people did. They twisted the intention of the Old Testament to their own advantage when they were planning not to obey their oath. 
Let's go back for just a moment and look at the passages in the Old Testament. This time, let's change the underlines on the verses and we can see exactly what it is they were doing. They were giving this emphasis, the oath, if it was in the name of the Lord your God, or if it was in my name, God's name, or if the vow was to the Lord, Or if you made the vow to the Lord your God. And what they were saying is this. If an oath was made using the name of the Lord, it had to be kept. But if the Lord's name was not used, it was a lesser oath and therefore it was not as serious. So they would swear by heaven, by earth, by Jerusalem by the temple, or even by the altar. In order to make a very big impression, they would talk big with great promises, but when it came time to fulfilling the promise, they would say it wasn't a binding oath to begin with. You know what the rabbis did? They got involved giving rules as to when an oath was binding and when it was not binding. People were actually given permission to lie while they were acting like they were telling the truth. Their focus shifted from the promise to the words they used. You know what they were literally doing? Doing what we used to do when we were kids. Remember this? Long as my fingers are crossed, I can lie to you. Only this was adults. who were playing these games. Now, we may not be as sophisticated with words today, but if we are all honest, there are many ways that we break our promises. This is that part of the sermon where it would probably be a good time for us to get going at this point. Because there is some soul searching to be done. Let's consider some of the ways that we do this. How about this one? I didn't really understand what I was getting into. I wasn't paying attention or I wasn't reading the fine points, the fine print. So you really can't hold me to this because I was careless in getting all the facts. Or how about this one? My circumstances have changed since my promise. I really meant it then. But my circumstances now have changed and nobody is able to uh, control change. 
By the way, these true uh, first two excuses, there are times when they may be true, and sometimes there are other people that will bail us out and uh, fulfill our promise for us, but many times these excuses are just that, excuses, because we really don't want to do what we said we would do. By the way, can I tell you that churches experience this all the time? Talk to any staff member in a church and they will tell you that people in churches all the time make commitments to do something and then something else comes up and so at the last minute they renege on what they said and call in and say, I can't make it. And it seems as though it's no big deal. And we do this all the time. How about this one? I didn't actually say I promise. Do you know, I've actually had people say this to me, right to my face, when confronted over an agreement. I remember speaking to somebody about an agreement that they had made, and they said to me these very words, I never said I promise. And I thought of Jesus' words. Let your yes be yes, and your no be no. Or how about this one? I really meant to say maybe. There were a group of 10-year-old kids in uh, Sunday school class taught by Mrs. Frost, and she gave them an assignment one day to respond to this question, Um, what would you say when asked what's wrong with grown-ups? Number one on the list, here's what the 10-year-old said. Grown-ups make promises, then they forget all about them, or else they say it wasn't really a promise, just a maybe. How about this one? I don't love my spouse anymore. One day I sat across from a man who said he was going to leave his wife. He said to me, here's the reason, I don't love my spouse anymore. A pastor said to me, everyone who leaves their spouse says they no longer love them. Because they somehow think it justifies what they are going to do. After all, I have no more feelings of love for them. And we all know we cannot control our feelings. And so, I no longer love my spouse. Therefore, that means I can get out of my vows. We all know that's not true. Feelings go up and down, who hasn't been in a time where they didn't feel very good about their spouse. It is committed love, not feeling love, that keeps our marriage together during the hard times. And this is just an excuse. Or how about this one? Ever said this? You're unreasonable in holding me to this promise. You see, the problem's not with me. The problem's with you. 
You're being unfair in holding me to what I said that I should do. And this is completely unreasonable. Or this one. It's harder than I expected to do what I said. I didn't realize this was going to be so hard. Surely, you don't expect me to do hard things, do you? Or how about this one? That's not really what I meant when I said it. Now, sometimes there are misunderstandings that do change things. But let me say this this morning. People who constantly are saying, that's not what I meant, are often trying to manipulate the person by word games. And it becomes a way of getting out of what we said. Now, I think this morning, if all of us were honest we would have to say that we have made excuses like this many, many times to get out of our promises. And so Jesus, understanding the nature of sinful human beings, brings about the correction that all of us need. And so let's move to his correction. Here it is. In verse 37, he says to us, truthful believers should make straightforward promises and keep them, period. And all of God's people said, Savior, tell it like it is. Simply let your yes be yes and your no, no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Now let me clarify what Jesus is not saying. Jesus is not saying it is never wrong or is ever wrong to make vows or oaths on solemn occasions. Uh, The Quakers... They take this literally. They will not participate in in an oath of any kind. Jehovah's Witnesses do the very same. That's not what Jesus means. The context here is everyday speech, everyday conversation. He's not talking about solemn occasions when someone else would put us under an oath, like when we get married or we are in court or we are signing a legal document. What is Jesus' point then? His point is very, very clear. God is a witness to every promise, and he is never fooled by evasive techniques. Look at how Jesus reveals this. If we try to say by heaven, Jesus says, hey, wait a minute, isn't that God's throne? If we try to say, well, well, I'll swear by earth, well, wait a minute, isn't that his footstool? If we try to say, I'll swear by Jerusalem, well, isn't that his city? And if we try to say, I will swear by my head, we can't change the color of our hair, we can't control the aging process, God ultimately controls our life. So what Jesus is saying is every promise is made before God and he expects us to keep every promise. 
Now here's the second thing. We should be so truthful that simple affirmations are all we need. People who embellish their promises do so because they are untrustworthy to begin with, right? Why would I need to embellish my promise if I'm a trustworthy person? What Jesus is saying is this, believers who have integrity only have to give their word and that settles it. So he is saying, as a follower of me, so speak and so act that there will never be any reason to doubt what we mean or what we intend to do. One of the greatest definitions that I've ever come across on commitment I received this past week. And I want to share it with you this morning because I think it is the point that Jesus is getting at. The author of this definition is unknown, but as you look at it, don't you think with me? This is what commitment is all about. Commitment means staying loyal to what you said you were going to do long after the mood you set it in has left you. Isn't that the kind of world we want to live in? Isn't that what our culture is crying out for? Isn't that what it means to be a follower of the way, the truth, and the life. Just a few years ago, a man contacted me here in Marquette, and he said that he had something against me. And so I agreed to meet with him. He said, Here's what I have against you. You made a promise to me several years ago and you never kept it. I remember very vividly making the promise. It was a very small promise. It was uh, uh, well-intentioned, but I never followed through. And it bothered me. It was on my conscience, but I never made it right. And this is an amazing thing. Before he ever told me what he had against me, I knew what he was going to bring up. And I apologized to him. But I didn't realize it had hurt my testimony as a pastor far more than I ever realized. And I learned a very valuable lesson that day. I learned if I want my life and my ministry to have integrity, then I better keep my word. Even if it's the smallest thing and I think, well, it just was a small promise, surely he'll understand that I don't follow through on it. No. No. It disappointed him far more than I ever realized. 
because it said I did not have integrity. Jesus says, let your yes be yes and your no, no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Would you bow with me and close your eyes for just a moment? You are like me, you have some soul searching to do. You have used some of the very evasive techniques that are so common all around us. And we expect the world not to be truthful, not to do what they say. But then sometimes we come into the church and the followers of Christ play the very same games. And this morning, Jesus Christ is calling us to utter and total truthfulness and to be people of our word. So that no one has to wonder, will they follow through? Will they do what they say? Or are are they like so many in our world today? Maybe you're here today and like me. You know there are people out there who could confront you before they even do. Because you have reneged. Whether it's small or whether it's large. And your integrity is in tatters. Today as Jesus calls you to a higher standard, Would you first of all ask for His forgiveness? And then would you say, Lord, wherever I must make corrections, I will do. And then thanking Him for His restoration, may you go forth, not only making promises, but keeping them, even when they're hard and difficult. Lord Jesus, hear our prayers today. Forgive us. Continue your work of grace amongst us. Help us to be people of the highest 
personal and corporate integrity. Father, I pray once again that You would forgive me for the many times in which I said to myself, well, they know I'm well-intentioned, therefore it's okay if I don't do what I said. Father, thank You for this man who had the courage to confront me over a very small matter. And yet he did for me and my ministry and my life a very great service. And I thank you, Lord, for his forgiveness. And I thank you, Lord, for reminding me of the truth that Jesus shares with us today. And so call us after Yourself so that we truly may be salt and light in a dark, deceptive world of false promises. How we love You. In Jesus' name, Amen.